Friends, welcome to the Wild at Heart podcast here in the week of November 2nd, and a very difficult week to record a podcast, to anticipate a podcast recording, as most of you know, and to a few of our international listeners who don't know, this is the week of the United States presidential election. And like most studios, like most people putting out podcasts these days, you know, we record anywhere from a couple days in advance to a couple weeks in advance. Um, We delayed this one as long as we could, but I'm recording this several days before Monday, November 2nd. And some of you are going to listen to this on the 2nd and some on the 3rd and some after the news of the election comes out. But I know that God has something very, very good for us today. Wish Stacy could be with me, but she's actually downstairs prepping for this week's Becoming Myself Zoom study that she's been doing with women from all around the world. And I think you can still jump in on that if you wanted to. So it's just me this week. But I'm excited to be with you, and I am really excited for the things that God has for us. If you have been tracking with us over the past couple of weeks, Stacy and I have had a conversation with you and with God about how to fix our eyes on Jesus, how to fix our hearts on Jesus in a time like this. And gang, we thought that life was rough before 2020. I mean, we were we were prefacing our podcast last year with this is a gnarly time to be a human being. It's very rough on humanity, very rough on the human soul. And God cares about your humanity. And we were saying things like maturity is not an option. Wholeheartedness is not an option. And that was before this year. And then we entered into all of this. You know, now the pandemic's resurging and countries are locking down again. Colorado just issued some tighter quarantine measures and, you know, families are wrestling with school and kids and, and then all, all, all of it, all of it, the whole global mess. And gang, if I could be fatherly for a moment, it's likely that things are going to get a little bumpy in the months ahead. And what I want to offer to you today is that God knew that you were going to have to navigate all this. God knew. And he made provision. He is making provision. And that's what we want to seize today and and in the weeks ahead. Father, what is the provision that you have for me, that you have for us, that you have for the people of God, that you have for the world? What is the provision you are making and how do we participate in it? So three things for this week, and I think these are going to feel very appropriate to tomorrow, Tuesday, the, you know, election, and will we even know the outcome of the election for for several days? God knew all this. And then the three things that he has for us, first, the question What story has your attention right now? What story has 
pretty much completely seized your attention right now. It was a while ago that I was reading Ephesians 1. Uh, I love the book of Ephesians, and I love chapter 1. There's just so much in it by way of the provision that God has made for us and his heart towards us and his engagement before any of us were were even a, a twinkle in our parents' eyes. I mean, before we took our first breath, long before. And then I read it in the message. And I want to read the end of the first chapter of Ephesians in the message. And you're going to see why. Paul says, that's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master, Jesus, and your outpouring of love to all Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do, grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for Christians, oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Jesus is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Can you begin to see why I chose this passage? Oh, my goodness. And as I was reading this quite a while ago, that phrase, that sentence, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. That really stopped me. I mean, I I had to pause and wonder to myself, do I believe that? Like, that is a startling statement because it sure doesn't seem so. If you are tracking with any kind of news or social media or just the neighborhood gossip, it does not feel like the church is the main show in the world. You know, this week it feels like American politics is the main show in the world. And next week, you know, what the new administration is going to do or, you know, what the second term of Trump is going to do, you know, and all that feels like the main show. What's the economy going to do? What's the climate going to do? What's the pandemic going to do? And to just pause for a moment and say, what story has our attention right now? Because the fact is that the story of God is the main story. 
the church is not peripheral to the world. It's not kind of outside the main action. Actually, the church is the main action, and the world is peripheral stuff. And the problem is this. The problem is who has the microphone. Right now, small minorities actually have very loud microphones, and they're able to make extraordinary noise, and then it's accentuated by, you know, the power of social media, that sort of thing, and it it distorts the significance of the story they are trying to tell. And one of the fascinating things that's happened in our hour is that many people made social media their news source. It's kind of where they turn for, okay, what's current, what's going on, you know, what's getting people's attention, what's the buzz right now. And we didn't realize, really until this year, it didn't dawn on us that social media are private companies held by private owners with very strong personal opinions about what should and shouldn't get aired and get airtime. And as we were describing in our previous podcasts on the upcoming election, people are losing their accounts. People are being censored. <laughs> Stacy, Facebook like blocked something Stacy was trying to post the other day that had absolutely nothing to do with COVID or with politics. Nothing to do with race. It, it was a. It was like a devotional meme. You know, it's just a simple little thing. And they're like, "Oh, we better check this out before we decide if you get to post this." It's a private company is regulating public discourse, and because of all that, because who has the microphone gets to give you the impression that that's the story of the day, that's the story of the month, that's the story of the year. And it frankly is not. It's not. The church is not peripheral to social media or to American politics or to global strife. The world is actually the sideshow. And so what I want to say is the story of God, the story of Jesus Christ has been, is now, and always will be the story. I mean, just think about when Paul was writing Ephesians and making bold statements like this, that Jesus is in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power, exempt from his rule. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. When Paul is going on like this, (laughs) Christianity is nothing. It's a tiny little sub-movement of a tiny little sect in a corner of the Roman Empire. Rome is the story, right? The Pax Romana from the north of Britain to the Middle East and North Africa. Rome ruled the Western world. And it was described as the most extensive political and social structure in Western civilization. And Israel was a tiny, conquered, subjugated country, fragmented, impoverished, oppressed. And when they executed the man that many people thought was the Messiah, it looked like the story of Rome was going to continue to be the story of the world for a very long time. 
And where is that Roman Empire now? <laughs> it's gone. It, it actually fell within a couple hundred years after the writing of Ephesians. And yet the movement of Christianity truly conquered the world. They take another example. Okay, Genghis Khan, the Mongol leader, actually ruled a larger land empire than Rome. It was the largest land empire in history. And at their peak, the Mongols controlled an empire between 11 and 12 million contiguous square miles, an area about the size of Africa. Genghis Khan boasted of killing, at the time, 10% of the world's population. He called himself the scourge of God. And if you were living at that time, and you were under that rule, that sure would have seemed like the main story. I mean, that would have seemed like the absolute center of the show. And where is that now? Gang, you can just go down through history and remind yourself, where are the Beatles now? Okay. Like, if you were in the 60s and early 70s, like, the Beatles were the show. You couldn't, you couldn't get on the news without finding out what they'd worn that day or had for breakfast or if, you know, Paul had coughed or John had sneezed. And where are the Beatles now? Right? You see, the story of God, the story of Jesus Christ has been, is now, and always will be the story. And this is so important for the friends of God to keep in front of us. It, you know, that would be one of those things to like write out and put it on a sticky note on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror. The story of God has been, is now, and always will be the story. And as I was driving into work this morning, thinking of how true that is, allowing myself to embrace that reality again, suddenly all of the evidence comes flooding back in. Every human heart on this planet right now is beating because Jesus Christ is sustaining it. Every breath that every man, woman, and child will take in this moment and then the next moment and the next moment, they are being given because Jesus Christ is ruling everything. The sun came up today. The sun will come up tomorrow because Jesus Christ is actually ruling. Satan is not ruling the world. Satan is not in charge of the universe. You think of all of the millions of beautiful things taking place in nature right now. The caribou are still migrating. The dolphins are still swimming in the oceans. Whales are still coming up for air and diving down deep. The whole animal kingdom is living and breathing and flourishing because Jesus Christ is the story and because he is sustaining all things by the power of his mighty word, as scripture says. One of these months, what we need to do here on this podcast is just read to you the stories we hear. 
because we have we're on the receiving end of the most beautiful correspondence I think in the world. People emailing or you know getting on the website or sending in actual letters, testimonies of what God is doing in their life. And for me, every week, it is a reminder that the story of Jesus Christ has been, is now, and always will be the story. So I want to read a few of those to you right now. Like, what what is Jesus Christ doing in the world in addition to keeping the sun in its place and every human heart beating? This is a, a letter written in by a young man, the past two years, myself and a couple of guys have met weekly to do life together. We've read and discussed everything from Wild at Heart to Father by God to Walking with God to Epic. And God used you to facilitate life-changing discussions around living a part of a bigger story in a world at war and stewarding our desires in a way that has created and sustained a longing for the new earth. One guy in our group moved to the Middle East a month ago. My family and I are soon moving to Thailand once the borders open, and the other guy and his wife will be moving to the Middle East as soon as the right doors are opened. We will all be focused on empowering indigenous believers to plant churches among unreached parts of the world, believing that Jesus will come back in our lifetime. This is three guys. (laughs) who were meeting for a book study. And Christ gets a hold of their hearts and gets a hold of their attention and is now sending them out across the world. Yep, in the midst of a COVID world, sending them out to plant churches. You see, that's the story of Jesus. We got the most beautiful letter from a, a hard, hard story, a really tortured soul abuse, death, stillbirth, depression, several suicide attempts, including one recently, hospitalization, but she was writing to tell us that she is on the healing path. Jesus is healing her heart. And she was referring to the pause app, and this isn't this is an advertisement for that. I'm trying to describe Jesus working in people's lives. But what she says is, The app has been water to a parched desert for me. I started with one minute and gradually moved up. The 10-minute is the one that showed me God's love. I try to do the 10-minute once a day, and it is changing something inside me. There is hope. There is love. There is peace. Now, you just think of it. You know, three guys in one study, one woman, you know, with Christ in a 10-minute pause, and then you take that out across the world, how many lives Jesus is touching, speaking to, guiding, changing careers, starting and forming relationships, rescuing children through adoption, on and on and on. Christ is very, very at work in the world. His story is the story. Prior to the series that I guess this could be called the third part on the election, we did a series on our ambivalence towards the return of Jesus and received the most beautiful letter from a man. He was thanking us for it, and he was confessing that he's had to listen 
to the episode several times because it touched something very deep about my own distrust of God's intentions for me. I struggle with looking back on traumatic losses from my past, and I struggle very deeply with idols of speculation on what life could have been. And I'm in bondage to the idea that I would be happier, healthier, more joyful if I could go back and change my story. He goes on to say, I've gone through seasons of arguing and wrestling with Jesus and have watched others go through it too, making destructive choices because of self-will or sin. And then the podcast and the process of God working in his life. And he talks about this profound level of release that he is coming to, letting go, because there's no loss in surrendering to Jesus. Another woman, actually a high school friend of ours, wrote, who we haven't heard from for a very long time, and she said to us that she spent the last 40 years in my own seesaw wilderness of doubt and self-defeat, trying to be good enough to earn God's approval, believing the liar more than my lover, confessing that she'd read Captivating when it first came out and didn't, you know, like it, didn't get it. And then here's what she says. After decades of keeping a religious and judgmental Jesus at arm's length, I'm falling in love with him. And I wanted to thank you for your continuing part in bringing me home to him, where I know at last I'm loved no matter what. That's the story of Jesus. That is what he is doing in millions of hearts right now. That's what he's doing literally right now. As, as you're listening to my voice. And then stories of men and women leading retreats around the world. Yep, still doing it in the midst of COVID, a beautiful story of the first captivating core that just took place in Cairo and some photos of these ladies together because they were able to read captivating in Arabic. We are just one little part, <laughs> little part of what Jesus is doing in the world. But that is a reminder, friends, that the story of Jesus is still the story. It's not Biden-Trump. It's not COVID-19. It's not the economy. Now, I think these things are important, and I think that Christian engagement in them is important, but we have got to get this stuff into perspective because of who has the microphone. Right? Right now, people with very loud voices and very strong opinions have most of the microphones. And, and it, can, it can give you a very wrong impression. And so what I want to say here in point number one about the story of God is still the story is I want to encourage you to give Jesus your attention. And here's the recommended exercise. I want you to spend five minutes a day loving Jesus, just loving him. I mean, you just sit in your car during your lunch break or you get up, you know, an extra five minutes before you have to blast out of the house and you sit with a cup of coffee in the kitchen and you just begin to say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. And here's why, Lord, I love you for the sunshine this morning. 
I love you for that kind note that someone sent me yesterday. I love you for the encouraging scriptures I'm hearing on the podcast. I, just whatever it is, you begin to intentionally love Jesus, and it will help your heart. It, it's like giving him the microphone, <laughs> taking it away from the world, turning down the volume on the world, and turning up the volume of God just by spending five minutes a day, and then maybe do it twice a day. So you kind of get in the groove of that. You do it kind of morning and evening or afternoon and evening. Just spend some moments each day right now loving Jesus. Which leads me to the second point. As I was praying for this week and praying for the news that we're all waiting to hear, but, you know, da da da, -da who's going to be president of the United States in 2021, Jesus, the next thing he had for us of the three things today was do not give way. Do not give way. John 14, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I read that and go, what? <laughs> like, we know the story. He, he's saying this to his friends right before his execution. Right before the story of Rome looks like it's going to crush the story of Christ like, and everyone's hopes and dreams in, in that. Like in a moment of terrible, terrible news, Jesus is saying, yeah, don't let that take you out. Actually, don't even give place to it. And we've talked about this on the podcast in the distant past, but it's an important reminder. When Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, he's reminding us that we actually have a choice. We have a very intimate and powerful and active role in shepherding our own hearts through days like the days we are living in. And there are a lot of forces out there that are trying to get in to your heart. You know, we've talked a lot about the, the force right now of hatred in the world. And I had to do some business with that again last week as I was thinking through the scenarios. How will you react if your side, quote unquote, wins the presidential election, right? Will it be, yeah, there you go, in your face, people, we were right all along. Like, whoa, like what will be your reaction? What will be your reaction if your side loses? This is just a, this is just an hour on the earth where you cannot give way, you cannot make place for the things that are coming very loudly through those microphones. Hatred, one of them. Fear, another. I, I have to confess, I'm, I'm sick of the whole mask thing. I really am. I'm, I'm not... I'm not a big mask guy, and I understand, I understand you don't need to write in and, and tell me why that's an effective social health policy or why it's not. What I'm pointing out is the emotional effect of not being able to see people's countenances takes away the smile, it takes away the kindness, it takes away the compassion, the concern, and it just leaves you with hundreds and thousands and millions of masked faces. And the fear that's trying to get into the world 
trying to get into our hearts is assisted by this moment in time right now. Do not, do not, do not give way to that. Do not give way to the hopelessness. Again, you know, if your, quote, side loses, or, you know, just go to COVID policies and the lockdowns and what you believe about that. A dear friend texted me the other day and said, you know, they're locking down in my country again, and I can feel the despair setting in in my heart. I'm really battling that. Right. You have to battle hopelessness because you know that COVID is not the story. You know that quarantine is not the story. The story of Jesus is the story. And he knew you would have to live through this moment, and he has made provision for it. And so here was the idea as I was praying and preparing for this and point number two about do not give way. Shepherd your heart through this stuff. I felt Jesus ask, when you're looking back, when you're in the kingdom and you are looking back on your life and on living through this moment, which is a pretty wild moment, folks. Like, you're the generation that gets to live very possibly through the last hours of this chapter. And when we're all looking back on it, I felt like Jesus asked, what will you hope your posture will have been in this hour? Project yourself out there. You're looking back from the restored earth, the renewed heavens, the marriage of heaven and earth, the joy, the victory. You're looking back from total victory on this hour. What, what will you hope your posture will have been during this hour? And, and then the idea is, well, adopt that posture now. Like make that your posture and say, you know what? So far as my story goes in the story of Jesus, Here's the, here's the posture I'm, I'm going to adopt right now. And it probably begins with letting the story of God be the story and turning down and rejecting all the other narratives that are trying to seize the moment in the world. Okay, so these two things, letting the story of God be what it is, which is the story. Jesus is sustaining every beating heart right now. Jesus is coming intimately to billions of people right now. Jesus still notices the sparrow and the dolphin, still gives them joy, still gives them life. Jesus brings the sun up every morning. The story of Jesus is still very much the story. And we, we actually can choose not to give way to the things that are trying to seize our hearts in this hour. Now, I, I do want to recognize that, that that can take some real effort. And if you have found yourself really succumbing to a particular emotion or thought pattern or you know hopelessness or anger or rage or whatever it is, if you have found yourself succumbing to that, you reach out. Like you may need to pray with a friend you know, reach out to a Christian counselor, get serious about pushing this back out of your humanity, back out of your being. But when Jesus says to his closest followers, right before his execution, do not let your hearts be troubled, 
the encouraging idea there is that it's possible. It's possible. So these two things come together to allow us to partner with God in this moment, in what his story is right now. I want to read Ephesians, a portion of it again. God raised Jesus from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Jesus is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Paul goes on, Jesus rules the church, his body, his people. The church, you see, is not peripheral to what is taking place in the world. The world is actually peripheral. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. What I want to put before us today is the power of the praying friends of God, operating from that Ephesians 1 perspective. And the first and primary thing we can begin to do personally, and then perhaps in little prayer teams, little groups together, is to invoke the kingdom of God. All the way back to Adam and Eve, God has always chosen delegation. He has always, always, always wanted and designed the whole architecture of this world to work in partnership with men and women, men and women who love him, trust him, and align their lives with him. That has always been his plan. And the wild thing is, it's going to be his plan in the new earth. <laughs> like in Matthew 25, um, you know, the goats get banished. And then he says to the sheep, come take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. We are designed to reign. We are appointed to reign. We are gifted to reign. We are anointed to reign. And as the world gets really bumpy in the months ahead, Jesus is going to use his friends and allies to usher in what he's doing, right? I mean, this is the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Here it is in the message. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. And then in the Passion translation, our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. So right now, 
I think one of the most important things, and this is kind of our third point, where point number one, we're letting the story of God be the story. It is the story. We're turning down the volume of all these microphones in the world. Secondly, we are not giving way to the things that are really trying hard to get access to our hearts. Third, so that we can invoke the kingdom, so that we can align with God. And I I want to suggest this on two levels, enforcing the kingdom in your personal kingdoms and realms, and then maybe joining together with two, three, five, a hundred people. You can do it by Zoom if need be to invoke the kingdom of God, to partner with God for global awakening, global awakening for righteousness, for peace, as we were praying last week. So let's just do this together right now. This is, this is the most powerful thing we could do and, and kind of show you how to do it for yourselves by doing it together. First, we always consecrate we come into alignment, we consecrate our emotions, our thoughts, our attention, our lives, our will. We come into alignment with Jesus. So Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Forgive me for letting other stories feel like the real story right now. Forgive me for getting caught up in them giving them way too much of my heart, my mind, my attention, or forgive me for letting them sweep over me and just feel overwhelmed and hopeless by them. I reject that. I consecrate my heart to you. I consecrate my emotions. I consecrate my desires. I consecrate to you, Lord Jesus, my mind. And the way all of my thoughts work, my learning processes, my perceptions, I consecrate my perceptions to you. All my heart and all my soul, all my will, body, soul, and spirit, I come into alignment with you, God. I am yours. You have ransomed me. I am yours. And so I pray for complete union. I pray for union and I pray for oneness with you. And I pray to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I ask the Spirit of God to guide me in prayer. And I do invoke your kingdom. Ephesians 2, 6, I am seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. I reign with you. And so in my kingdom and in my realm, my home, my work, my finances, and all of the the little kingdom that you have given me, I invoke your kingdom. In fact, I command it. I am ordering that the kingdom of God, the supremacy of the rule of Jesus Christ, must fill my kingdom beginning with me, my life, my body, soul, spirit, filling my relationships, family, if you're in a family, your home, apartment, room that you rent. I command it here in my kingdom, my work, 
or my need for work. Everywhere you have given me a kingdom, God. Those of you who run companies, those of you who have roles in churches and ministries, those of you who manage departments and divisions or coach teams or teach schoolrooms, that's your kingdom. And I am invoking and commanding and insisting on the supremacy of the rule of Jesus through my entire kingdom and through my realm against everything that is trying to overtake it, only Jesus Christ and his rule here. And then, Lord, we invoke it into our churches, into our schools, into our communities, and into our nations. You have given us authority to invoke your kingdom. Jesus, we invoke the supremacy of the rule of Jesus Christ into our world. And he'll put different things on your heart to do that, either right now or later in the week as you think and pray about this. You're invoking, Lord, I invoke the kingdom into that upcoming event or that mission. I'm invoking your kingdom into our outreach. I'm invoking your kingdom into the world. And as we invoke your kingdom, Jesus, we are invoking everything it represents. We are invoking the love of God, the rule of God. We are invoking righteousness. We are invoking peace into the world right now, into American politics, into the presidential election, and into the aftermath into the aftermath. Your kingdom come. Let the reign of Jesus Christ be made manifest here and into the world. Lord, there are revivals breaking out, friends, revivals in Myanmar, revivals around the world. We are joining that in the name of Jesus Christ. We are praying for a global awakening. Let the wave of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Pour out, rush forth over the earth, revealing Jesus and ushering in your kingdom and your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see how powerful that could be, friends? The story of God has been, is now, and always will be the story. The church is not peripheral right now. Jesus Christ is not peripheral. The world is actually peripheral. COVID is peripheral. It's not the main show. It's not. American politics is not the main show. The story of Jesus has been, is now, and always will be. And therefore, we are not going to give way to fear or hopelessness or hatred, anger, rage. We're not going to make way for those things in our hearts. Instead, we are going to align with Jesus in this hour. And he is urging us to enforce the supremacy of his rule, beginning in our own kingdoms, where you have say, and then invoking it into the world. Amen. 